So I'm going to be discussing the causes of genetic mutations. And I'm going to use a lot of, or part of what we discussed in the previous module uh, about the DNA-related mutations. Remember, they were point and frame shift mutations. Remember, we talked about protein-related mutations, nonsense and missense, with missense comprised of silent, conservative, and non-conservative mutations. But what did I say in episode one of this season? I told you that mutations occur only at the DNA level. Right? So, you know, we're only concerned with DNA related mutations because we're talking about the causes of these mutations, which occur only at the DNA the DNA level. So let's begin. Um, the, the causes of these mutations, we're going to begin with point mutations and point mutations are caused by base substitution, right? And you already know that I told you point mutations are what you're swapping one base for another a swapped for C G swapped for T whatever. Okay. That is a base substitution. That's scientifically what it's called. Um, and this occurs uh, one of three ways, in one of three ways. Uh, there are three types of base substitutions, I, su I should say. So number one is a transition in which, and this is basically intra-group substitution, okay? So substitution while remaining in the same group. And when I say group, I mean purines or pyrimidines, okay? So remember that the purines are A and G. This uh, transition would be if you switch an A for a G. Right? The original uh, strand had an A on it and you, uh, a purine, adenine is a purine. The original strand had a purine, you swapped it for another purine. Guanine is also a purine. Okay? So that's transition, is intra-group substitution. Uh, substitution within the purine group. So a purine for another purine, pyrimidine for another pyridine, and only that. Number two is transversion, which you can kind of guess what that is. That is intergroup substitution. So you're switching between purines and pyrimidines. Originally, you had a purine in the strand. Now you have a pyrimidine. Originally, you had an A. Now you have a C. Okay. Um, finally, you have number three, which is mispairing or mismatching. And this is when the DNA strand deviates from the conventional Watson-Crick base pairing. And th basically, um, this is uh, this mispairing is when you redefine um, the purines and pyrimidines. Okay, so Watson and Crick told us that A bonds with G, right? Purines bond with each other, and pyrimidines bond with each other. C bonds with T, or C bonds with U in in uracil. In uh, I'm sorry, in RNA, right? So uh, mispairing or mismatching is when you when you break those rules. A is supposed to bind uh, um, uh, uh, form hydrogen bonds with G, but instead it forms it with C even though that's not supposed to happen. Of course, these are all mutations. So for example, A bonds with C, right? Or G bonds with T. And again, this is different from transversion. Transversion was when you were swapping one for the other. You had a, pure, you had a purine, you take out the purine and you put a pyrimidine. Mispairing or mismatching is when the purine and the pyrimidine, they stay there, they're not taken out, but they bond together and they're not supposed to. Purines are supposed to bond with purines, pyrimidines are supposed to bond with pyrimidines as was told to us by Watson and Crick. It's kind of like like, like dissolves like uh, with like water or polar substances dissolve other polar substances. Interestingly, it's actually very common for purines to pair with pyrimidines in the mismatch, okay? That's just common, just thought I'd mention that. Moving on to frame shift mutations. These are caused by insertion or deletion. This is the easiest one. You know, frame shift is when you add or remove a base. That's exactly what it is. Insertion is the individual, uh, an individual extra base is added to the sequence. Deletion is the opposite where an individual base is removed. Both of these cause a frame shift. They disrupt how the codons are read. Remember the sequence is read in codons or units of three. So when you take out something or add something, you disrupt that. 
Um, and so that kind of has large scale implications. Um, so now we're going to move on to large scale mutations, which is mutations at the chromosomal level. Okay. Unlike frame and sh frame shift and point mutations, which, you know, were, you know, uh, alterations of single bases, right? You know, you were either swapping one base for another, or you were adding a single base, but it was always very small, uh, kind of low key. This one is a large scale mutation, you know, which involves larger groups uh, than individual nucleotides, and these affect many genes. Okay, the first one. Uh, so again, this these are mutations at the chromosomal level. I'm going to be uh, considering the chromosome structure for actually all three of them, or yes, all two of them. I'm sorry. Um, so the first one is called translocation, and this is where the gene on one chromosome is swapped with the gene on another chromosome. The, and so that's, that's pretty easy to think about. You have two separate chromosomes. You have a strand from one chromosome literally detach itself and attach itself to another chromosome. There is a single rule about this though, and that is that this occurs between all non-homologous chromosomes, okay? So if you recall, you know, your homologs is what they're shortened to homologs, homologous pairs. Um, these are basically the two chromosomes that you get individually from each parent. Okay. You remember you have 46 chromosomes in your cells, right? You have 23 pairs, one from each parent. So for example, you have two chromosome tens in you right now. You have a chromosome 10 from your father and a chromosome 10 from you from your mother. Okay. So translocation, you know, genes, you know, ejecting themselves from one chromosome and attaching to another part of a chromosome that can happen between any chromosome provided they're not homologs. In other words, their numbers do not match. Okay. So, you know, if, you know, a gene wants to leave chromosome nine and attach itself to chromosome five, that's cool. As long as you don't do a gene leaving nine to the other nine right? As long as you don't do a gene leaving chromosome nine from your father and attaching to chromosome nine from your mother. And you might say why that's such a random, you know, that's such a random rule. Why is that the case? The reason is if you recall, I don't know if I've gone over it yet. I don't think I have. Um, if you're familiar with the concept of genetic recombination, right? Or in layman terms, crossing over, this is actually a, a, uh, a step a, a period no, it's more of a step, a step of meiotic divisions where the chromosomes actually line up and they attach each other at various spots and they, they swap genes between each other. And these occur only between homologs, homologous chromosomes. So in other words, chromosomes, uh, chromosomes 10. So your father's chromosome 10 that you have from him and the chromosome 10 you have from your mother, they come together and they swap genetic information. The thing is though, is this actually promotes genetic diversity, right? Crossing over or genetic recombination, it's the exact same thing. Um, these allow you to be different from your parents, right? If crossing over did not occur, you would have, you know, you would look exactly like your dad. You would be exactly the same as him or exactly the same as your mom, whatever it is, right? So the point I'm trying to make, I know I kind of over explained that a little bit, but what I'm trying to specify and emphasize is that genetic recombination and crossing over, in other words, the exchange of genetic material between homologs is great. It's good. That's a, that's a natural process of life. It's good that you are not exact an identical duplicate from your from your father or your mother. Okay, what I'm talking about translocation, the movement of genes between non-homologs, that's bad. This is a mutation. I mean, technically, we're going to learn later that not not all mutations are bad, but I want you to think of it like that. Genetic recombination crossing over. That's great. It's a part of meiosis, and that is between homologs. Translocation, the mutation. The exact same thing is happening, but it's between non-homologs. Between chromosomes 10 and 12, this is a mutation and it's not natural. 
That's that's what I can say. I don't I can't necessarily say that all mutations are bad, but they are definitely not natural. Okay. Um, and so that's the idea behind translocation. Um, so that's the first uh, example of large scale uh, mutations. Number two, and the last one, is known as inversion. And this one is a little bit hard to visualize, so bear with me. Um, if, if it helps you kind of draw this out, it's not too complicated, but I just want to prepare you. So inversion is basically translocation. It's the same thing, you know, you're, you're swapping um, uh, genetic information between two separate chromosomes. On top of it, this is um, uh, between non-homologous chromosomes. Um, the only difference is they're between parts of the same chromosome, okay? So this doesn't break the rule of translocation being only between non-homologous chromosomes because inversion occurs on the same single chromosome, not between homologs, okay? I, I actually think I said that it occurs between homologs. It doesn't occur between homologs. It's, it's not, a, there's no, there's only one chromosome in this situation. Translocation, there were two chromosomes. You had chromosome 10 and chromosome, chromosome 12. As long as they were non-homologous, we're good in translocation. Inversion, you're only looking at one chromosome and swapping is only occurring on one chromosome. It's literally the chromosome ejecting, uh, ejecting you know, a gene from its top and giving it to its bottom. Okay, so it's, it's, it moves around, but it's still on the same chromosome. For example, a part of the chromosome breaks off from the top, or not really a part of the chromosome, a gene from the chromosome breaks off from one of the top fins of the chromosome, and it attaches to one of the bottom fins. Okay, um, and this changes not only the genetic code itself, but also how that gene is regulated. And we actually know why now. We actually know how gene regulation is affected by inversion, because if you remember, there are different types of modifications, such as histone modification via methylation, right? When you methylate a histone, you are deactivating the genes of that section. And when you demethylate it, you are activating that section. So if you mess up that section, if you take off a gene from that section, now that gene is not um, regulated by a specific histone modification. Now a histone has to be attached somewhere else, that somewhere else being the new spot of the gene. Again, I know it's kind of hard to explain, but they picture your chromosome, right? You have that kind of floppy X shape, okay? You take a gene from, you know, say the top right fin, and you move it to the bottom left fin, right? Now, every time histones attach to the top right fin, you know, maybe to deactivate those genes, the gene that moved isn't going to be deactivated because it's somewhere else. And this is the main idea here is that this change is not only the gen genetic code itself, you know, it's literally different, but on top of it, the gene is regulated differently. So histone configuration, promoter regions, and other regulatory processes um, are also kind of under this umbrella of um, how that gene is regulated. So again, small-scale mutations are point uh, mutations via transition, transversion, and mispairing. Frameshift mutations are via insertion and deletion. And then large-scale mutations were translocation and inversion.